In commercial real estate, there are stories of failure, stories of success, and everything in between. Dallas-Fort Worth is no stranger to these stories. From the NAOP North Texas chapter, this is the Real Estate Junkies Podcast. Well, today on the podcast, we have Lucy Billingsley with us um, of Billingsley Company. Uh, Lucy, so glad you're here, and, and you know I think you just have a wonderful story. Um, you know, obviously you you have a great family lineage, and and it's known to pretty much everybody in Dallas. Um, but you've really been able to do something on your own with, you know, doing and kind of going your own way. And I think that's something that for anybody in a family has just been remarkable to see. And uh, you know, you've got these really amazing spaces that y'all create, and you just continue to do it, whether it's with um, Cypress Waters or you know the International Business Park. So. Thanks for being on today and, and kind of looking forward to talking. You're ever so gracious, and it's a pleasure to be here, and i happy to talk away and see what we can stir up. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, obviously early on, um, I think you are had a family of, of five brothers, and I think you're the youngest as well. And so just talk to me a little bit about kind of what that was like. I'm sure you were probably beat up all the time, and it was probably a rowdy household. Well, uh, five brothers have one younger brother, so four four older than me, and obviously it was great fun, and I wanted to do everything that the guys got to do, and my mother was very much a Southern belle and didn't want me to compete with the guys and certainly did not want me to beat a guy in anything, so I ended up getting odds and ends of uh, changes as life went on. I'd pick up guitar and played it a lot, and I can't sing, but I worked and practiced hard, but, and my brother then didn't practice hard, so mom got me to put the guitar down so he could pick it up, and so there are a lot of stories like that of growing up in the 1950s and 60s. Yeah, it made you tough, I'm sure, and I, we'll get to this a little bit, but I think that kind of prepared for you a little bit of, of what real estate's like, right? I mean, you're, it's yeah. dealing with guys and, you know, all that. Well, if you're denied what you want, it gives you determination. Yeah, absolutely. So that was nice. <laughs> absolutely. So, I, you know, I think I read something about your dad. Um, you know, I think he was very good about separating business from family. Um, I think you mentioned something that he would never take business home. But, you know, obviously there must have been some point where he exposed you all to real estate. Um, what, what were kind of the early memories that you remember, you know, maybe being around real estate or understanding development or, or what, you know, kind of what you all did as a family? You know, for me first, it's really remembering uh, who my parents were and what were the examples they set and what did they stand for and what are their morals and what are their personalities and the humor and the optimism. Um, I guess that's what we all remember, right? What's the nature of our parents? Uh, so it wasn't so much when did I run up to the office as a child. Yes, some of that happened. Um, but I really um, got to admire the regard that he had from others and the success that he had and get to see that as um, uh, an exciting opportunity and where you might go in life. And so it filled you with aspiration. And then in high school, I really um, got more exposure to the business itself, Um, not tons, but certainly more. And I just knew I wanted to live a life of purpose, and his was the best model that I had to follow. Yeah. And so that led you to, to UT Austin, right, studying yeah. finance? 
That's right. So did, did that factor into your decision to, to maybe pursue something in real estate with a finance degree, or, or how did you come about that? Decision? Well, I came out of Hockaday and uh, with a you know liberal arts education, and I was not an amazing student, and you know to ask me to write an essay about a rose is to kill me. And so finally in college, first semester, I was able to take a course in economics, and I thought, at last, there's something that's pragmatic, yeah. something that's life-based. So I just dove into everything finance, business, and real estate oriented. And um, I sort of felt like I'd finally found what I was interested in. Yeah, but it's interesting you mentioned the, the liberal arts. And, you know, I know you all have a, a huge collection of Asian art mm -hmm. and influence and all that. And it's it's still something that you see in y'all's developments. Um, is that just been something of a passion that, of yours that, of course, has never gone away, but, um, you know, it's always been in the background for you? Uh Yes, but through travel first. Um, Mom and Dad were great about taking us all around the world. We got to go to China in the late 80s and the, you know, um, no, excuse me, the early 80s, 82, um, late 70s and early 80s. And everyone was in Mao jackets and in bicycles. Mm -hmm. So we learned from that that we want to go across the world before it changes. Yeah. Let's see how people live now. And the beauty that is created in Asian art. Uh, Dad first spotted it. He bought some collections and things in the States. And um, then when we went to do our office buildings, we um, went to buy the Chinese brushstroke, but in contemporary art. Mm -hmm. And so we've really had a great fun seeking out artists and doing that search and, you know, just love their sensibility. Yeah, that's interesting. You mentioned the, the travel aspect. And I mean, as I mentioned, that's something that you see obviously is reflective in y'all's development style. Do you think that's been one of the biggest kind of things that's impacted y'all in your personal development style has been the travel and maybe even travel from that young of an age? Uh, absolutely. You know, you know, let's get back to what's life all about anyway. And it's growth and it's learning and it's, it's inward and it's understanding humanity and what is the human experience and how does human humanity create itself all over the globe and what are the best ideas and how do we bring the globe back to Dallas? How do we let someone walk into a club room and be enriched by the total Irish feel or a Moroccan feel or uh, how do we um, make these places be reflective of the world. So though I'm not able to write an essay about a rose, <laughs> I do think that liberal arts need to infuse our lives. Yeah. And we don't necessarily know that's what we're getting. But if we put quotes in a sidewalk and someone walks by it, they either are humored or inspired or they know it. And so how do we give those soft touches right. to enrich people's lives? Yeah, you give them a, a little bit of that experience, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's, I think it's fascinating. So, so you're you're going to UT, working through school. Did you did you have some jobs um, that you kind of worked through school? Maybe that shaped you as well. I was very eager to get out of school early and to get to work as fast as I could. So I first went to work in school uh, at Master Charge Department, stuffing microfiche film, and uh, then uh, happily was. Uh, able to go work with Henry S. Miller Company into the research department uh, and then got to do uh, uh, a little bit of leasing with Henry S. Miller and um, maybe it was the second commission I was to get. 
The first one was about $30 a month, so it was a very big deal. Uh, the second one was selling a Whataburger site. And I was delivering the contract to the buyer, and he said, just let me deliver it to the seller on my own. And he did, and they struck the commission. Oh, no. And so that was an uh. unbelievably great experience for me to have with the life that ended up coming my mm -hmm. way to say, you know, <laughs> the brokers mm -hmm. do do their work. Let's respect mm -hmm. brokers. You're not kidding. <laughs> Golly. You're, you're, man, that's horrible. A good lesson early. No kidding. It was $3,000 I lost. I mean, it, that's serious money back then. Oh, I mean, good. Of course it is. Months worth of rent. Man. Well, you know, from there you graduated. Um, and tell me a little bit about right after college. Where did you where did you work kind of immediately after school? Um, I got married, and my husband and I went to Houston. I worked in Trammell Crow Company retail leasing in Houston, um, and we were down there for a while. Uh, and um, that was a great experience, cold calling. I mm -hmm. became pregnant and then very pregnant and still <laughs> kept knocking on doors uh, and uh, anyway, had a great time, you know, learning the numbers game and rejection yeah. and approach. And it, it's interesting that really seemed to that that would prepare you for your next role, right? Or next kind of large, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, milestone in your career. At the, it's the Dallas Market Center, right. right? Right. And so I think you were a little under 30 or, or right at 30 when you were, um, you know, started there. Um, actually, I probably started there earlier. I ended up running the business when I was 29, 30. Wow. So I'd been there for a few years. And I started out in accounting and, and then went through every aspect of the company from leasing to maintenance and food and catering mm -hmm. and, and operations. Um, and um, then jumped in and run the apparel mart and then, you know, ran the business. Yeah. And that's fascinating. I mean, how, how interesting um, for you personally did you find working in those different departments and just you know, especially being in the role that you landed in with, with managing people, how important was it you for you to have gone through the experiences that they're going through on a day-to-day -day basis? Oh, I mean, it was, you know, hugely important. I remember going out to get a third-party landscape bid, and our internal team came in with all the bids and said, you know, they're way more expensive than we are. And then I got a call from one of the third parties and said, no, I'm not. Huh. I got to, uh, and he was correct. Um, I got to see... Um, uh, guy who ran the maintenance department, uh, forging family members onto the payroll. Oh, wow. Um, and then, you know, you get to meet everyone in all of these industries and, you know, furniture, gifts, toys, apparel, Western wear, uh, carpets, and see the total differences in the industries and how they operate mm -hmm. and, um, you know, try to create the strategies to have us be the most successfully possible in wholesale to retail. Uh, and we had, you know, over 200,000 retailers that would come to the market every year, and we're putting on events all the time. So we looked like a real estate business on our financials, but we acted like an events company. Hmm. Okay, so so in this role, um, obviously you're you're thrust into managing people extremely extremely young. Um, you know, it was your data factor in that. What? How did you learn to to really manage people and oversee such a large operation like that? I don't. Um, or was it just? Going no, no, it? I think it's, you know, you've got to be fine, kind, caring, forthright, focused, principled. Um, I've always felt that we need to give each other truth in with kind candor. I don't like brutal honesty. I mm -hmm. like kind candor. Um, and so I just 
sort of jumped in and and went for it. Um, my husband Henry's ten years older, so for the first few years I'd come home and ask his opinion all the time, and then I figured out what he was going to say, so I quit asking. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it it was just leading life. So uh, did I do a great job? I'm sure not. Um, but you found your way ultimately. Yeah, yeah, I found my way, and you know, at that time I remember. Um, someone said that I was really a tough female, and I thought, I'm not tough, um, but maybe I was. Maybe, uh, certainly, I was tougher than I thought I was, yeah. um, but anyway, I, I know I was um, kind and focused. Yeah. With that whole role, what do you think you were most proud about, looking back on that now? Just learning. I don't look at pride. Honestly, I don't. I, I am so grateful for the gift of the knowledge and the experiences. Um, so it was fabulous uh, for me to be able to, you know, learn and go through all of that. Yeah. And, and stepping back a second, what, what made you take that role other than continuing the family business? Is it Did that just appeal to you and, and more of the arts and the retail um, did that energize you, or what, would, what was that decision? It's the greatest opportunity I had, so I grabbed it. Yeah. And then when we are there, I also ran the Dallas uh, uh, Design Center, excuse me, Dallas Decorative Center, and um, expanded the Houston Design Center, and then went to Boston and created the Boston Design Sister Center. So those were great experiences to be able to work in other cities and, yeah. and to jump into that business. Yeah, just a huge early on ability to kind of make an impact and make, you know, yourself. Yeah. But you know, it was out. something that was a platform that dad had created that was amazing. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, the, we were the regional, the singular regional option if you wanted to be in this region in those industries. So we just had to do it in a really great way so we could become more and more significant and then reach out and become national in, in many industries. Um, so anyway, it was a great experience, uh, but I was thrilled when I left. Uh, I left around 91, and I uh, is sort of when the real estate drought was going on, mm -hmm. and my husband Henry had been buying a lot of raw land, um, but he was, he was trading it, and so I took a travel agency that we started when I was at the Market Center to serve our clients and took it out independently of the market center and just said, let me see, can I do this business on my own? Can I do something that the family hadn't started? Mm -hmm. And uh, how big can we make this? And, you know, will it, will it work? Do I know what I'm, can I figure out what I'm doing? Um, and so anyway, I did the travel agency business alone for a few years and then got into real estate development. Yeah. And for those that don't know, I will say it very well worked. I think yeah, it grew yeah. from 15 people yeah. to 150 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, a couple acquisitions through the years. Um, and so, yes, it, it worked extremely well. And it, the interesting thing, too, I think is, and, and we've talked a little bit about this, is it seemed like a... a well, if, looking back on it, it's a really innovative approach to another business that coincided really well with what you were doing. And I think a lot of real estate companies over the years have seen, hey, I can be a developer, but I also can be a property manager. I also mm -hmm. can be a broker. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was a really, really cool um, example of, of being able to do something like that. Well, it was, um, uh, yeah, again, another great learning curve. And when we started the travel agency at Independent from the Market Center, I just said, I've got to put in all the systems to be able to walk and talk like a major agency, but be local and friendly and normal 
and have you know great service so there's no bureaucracy involved and um and then sell it uh, mm -hmm. so all of that was really wonderful to learn and so I've, i'm used to management and, and ongoing businesses mm -hmm. so when you jump over to real estate and it's development well that's wonderful because you don't have to manage no a ton people. of people. You, you just let but, buildings sit there. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then we end up, you know, getting into property management and then, yeah. you know, construction. And so, you know, we're still filled with a lot of great people. <laughs> yeah. So how different was that experience? Um, you know, obviously travel booking and, and you know, that whole business yeah. looks very different um, back in the 80s than it does today. Everything's right. online. Um, you know, were there things that y'all were doing that were, were innovative or was it... Um, I guess just what I'm asking, how, how different was that from the Dallas Market Center? Totally different. You know, you could be making $5 profit on an uh, airline ticket. Wow. Um, so then, and you knew that business was going to change and go away. I mean, it was self-evident. So uh, we jumped into the incentive travel and convention travel and then creating software platforms to service those industries. You just had to... Um, reach into the industry to say what does the industry call for and need uh not how has it been done in the past and i think while you were at wyndham um you and henry i know he's a serial land buyer and yeah. i think at that time y'all may have have been acquiring some land and um i think that's when y'all started billings and companies that right right kind of as we know it today yeah yeah we started acting as we know it today we'd had some industrial properties before that had come through my family mm -hmm. and um and then Henry made all these purchases, <laughs> but uh, Henry was trading, buying and selling. And um, you know, at some point, I said, "Then wait a minute, you know, let me let me try yeah. the handout on that." So that's when we got into development. Yeah, and so 1991 um, or, or around there, yeah. it's, I think um, that's when you officially left the market center, mm -hmm. right? And you know, trying to really go out on your own again, and, and y'all really start something that establishes y'all's family and and. You know the Billingsley Company. Um, was that? What was the feeling there? Was it fearful? Was it exciting? Was it a little bit of everything? Of course, it's a thrill. Um, and our first uh, project was a two-story tilt wall office building, and so, uh, and it was you know just at International Business Park at George Bush in the Tollway, and. Our, it was so far out. I remember Jeff Swope referring to it as Little House in the Prairie. <laughs> I thought, well, that's not too wrong, but I hope they're coming. Yeah. Um, but it, that was, it was very safe. It was safe because we'd been through this office drought and there was pinup demand. And so, and we had a well-priced product mm -hmm. and where the wave of growth was coming. So it was safe. And then we started our multifamily that was much more exciting. It was just north of this same location. Um, but the multifamily mold then was very much uh, a cookie cutter. Design a building, uh, put it on a zigzaggy road, and stamp out the same building and call hmm. it a, a complex. Hmm. So our and garden style, just yeah. Yeah, our first development, um, our tagline was apartments without the complex. And it was just exactly that. We had all the buildings on normal city streets with front doors and in the back we had parks or we had volleyball courts or we had little townhomes. We wanted to make this be a place where you shattered the parking and all the facades were different. And um, it was the beginning of becoming a real neighborhood. Mm. And so that's sort of the 
that was a breakthrough in the design that was going on at that time. Hmm. That's fascinating. And so, you know, I think what's interesting too is, you know, of all your brothers, it, it seems like to me that you were the really the only one that went into true development like your family, right? Uh, yes, that's right. Har- Harlan's business is much, much bigger than we ha- are, yeah. and they've accomplished a ton. Um, now they are into development, but they went through a long period where they weren't. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Oh, he just was looking at what's the best way to make money. Yeah. And he had a strategy and an idea, and it worked. Yeah. Okay, so, you know, y- y'all had some early success with Billingsley Company and, and the International Business Park. Um, you know, were there any early challenges kind of with that site? Uh, maybe any deals that, you know, got close to failing or something like that? Really, at that time, things were straightforward. We've had plenty of exciting situations, um, at, but at International Business Park, um, it was a, a formula that we we went and built, you know, like 10 buildings within uh, you know, maybe a five, six-year time frame. So mm-hmm. that formula worked pretty well. Yeah. Do you think that helped you personally gain the respect of, of peers? Oh, well, sure. Um, just the legitimacy of being able to mm-hmm. deliver. deliver. Yeah. It was a simple product. I mean, we're not, yeah. you know, acting like but, we're but to be reaching able to, for the sky. But yeah. Yeah. but to be able to do it, to prove it up, to get at least, yeah. was, a, was a big deal. Well, it was a big deal for me to prove to myself. Yeah. You know, you're not really worried about what everybody else thinks. You're worried, you know, how did you do? Yeah. I believe that y'all built that out for, for quite a long time, right? Over yeah. a decade. Um, I think well, we still got land there to build on. I think you, yeah, yeah. St- I think I saw some offices that are announced. Yeah, um, yeah. My daughter, Lucy, has built the last two buildings and, you know, much higher quality than what I built. Boy, it's nice to have land yeah. right now. It seems like every every parcel right now is, mm-hmm. is just astronomical in terms of, you know, what it's being yeah. asked for a dollar per foot. So in, in developing some of those offices and international, um, were there any challenges that you guys faced? Well, there's, there's one particular building, uh, single-tenant building, that I was excited about. And um, the uh, rest of the family members, now by this time, Lucy and George are working with us. I don't know if Summer had gotten here or not, but they were appalled that I wanted to do this transaction. And uh, Henry as well. So the one and only time they've ever called uh, let's have a financial committee meeting <laughs> was to go review this asset that I wanted to go do. And uh, we acted like we we're going to have financial committee meetings ongoing to approve any deals. It's never happened again. And um, I listened to what everybody said and nodded politely and went ahead and did the deal. Um, thank heavens it's been successful. So, uh, But I learned in that that I'm the biggest risk taker in the family. Hmm. I thought the next generation was supposed to be a bigger risk takers than we are. Hmm. Um, but they're not, and I am, and so let it be. <laughs> it great. hadn't changed. That's great. I love it. Um, so, so you're continuing to develop international, um, you know, through the early 2000s, and then really, you know, kind of get into 2010, 2011. Um, you know, I think you guys started to focus on Austin Ranch as well, right? Well, Austin Ranch, we started the multifamily in 97. Okay. So um, we were building out on it, again, throughout this entire time period, primarily multifamily. Then we jumped into industrial mm-hmm. and um, probably five or six years ago, really started doing office. Hmm. 
And it's is that the has that been kind of the blueprint for each one of those? I mean, did you know that when you first designed Austin Ranch that it was always going to be a mixed use, a little bit of everything? multifamily office was that a, is that always sure. the vision sure. what we do the in the very beginning on any property is go in for zoning yeah and 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 create our master plan mm-hmm. and so um and austin ranch is in four cities just yeah. barely in plano yeah. now but uh carrollton the colony and Louisville. so we got to do zoning quite a few times yeah you're not kidding and so, you know, talk about the challenges with dealing with those different cities and all the different moving parts there. Um, well, you know, they're huge. Um, and in going for multifamily zoning, as an example, we all know that's very difficult to mm-hmm. obtain. And um, we had not developed before we had the zoning, so we hadn't earned the credibility. Yeah. And um, the so... Um, there's, you know, loads of negotiations going on. Now, um, we have earned credibility in multifamily, particularly with our exterior finishes mm-hmm. and the places, the environments, the pedestrian connectivity, the, the preservation of woods. We, we're just huge believers in all of this. So um, getting multifamily zoning's not easy today, but at least we're able to walk in and our actions speak louder than our words. Mm-hmm. So... Um, but early on, it was, for, fortunately, we're very, very, very suburban. So it wasn't yeah. infill zoning, which is even more difficult. Hmm. So I, I think in, in around 2014, I think y- y'all just said, we've had enough. We need a construction company, right? And, and you know, <laughs> Cypress Waters, I think you were probably going through zoning at that point as well. Um, how big of a change was that for y'all to have that in-house? Oh, well, it was exciting and um, worrisome. You know, that's a new industry. Yeah. We don't know all the rules of that business. Um, and so, um, anyway, we just hired a strong construction team and moved forward. And um, the benefit to us was that instead of paying a third-party GC fee, we could take that 5% and either save it or reinvest it into the properties. And what we ended up doing was greatly enhancing our interior finishes. Mm. So, and we needed to. Um, That was something that we didn't realize that we were weak in and we were. Uh, So it was uh, great and we've got a strong team of people out there today, great professionals and uh, hope to keep expanding that business. Yeah. What's been the biggest challenge, you think, in, in Cypress Waters and that whole development? I mean, y'all had some really early good tenants come in I, that I think sort of proved the area. Um, have you, y'all dealt with anything that's really been a challenge? Well, let's go to before we had any tenants. We are going in for zoning in the city of Dallas, and the city of Dallas we connect to through a creek, um, but the city of Dallas does not have any infrastructure to service Cypress mm-hmm. Waters. So we're meeting with the city and um, discussing the infrastructure needs. And the city came to us and said, you need to have 10,000 apartments oh, wow. to validate the infrastructure costs that you're gonna have to bear. And so we obviously moved forward with them and that, and then office yeah. office and commercial and you know mm-hmm. other taller buildings. And um, we moved forward on that and were instantly sued by both Capel Independent School District and the city of Capel. And, the school district, we are in that district. They did have the right to condemn for property, uh, which mm. they were doing. And um, 
uh, went through that lawsuit with them and they were able to win the lawsuit to such an extent that we negotiated a settlement and they have uh, four sites within Cypress Waters today for schools. Yeah, um, Mill School West. Yeah, that's so right. I, I grew up in Coppell, funny okay. enough. I went to Coppell High School, went to North. So Yeah, yeah. well, <laughs> it's a great school system. It is. And we um, are very appreciative of their great quality and, and love having them as partners. The city of Coppell also in kind sued. They did not have the right to sue hmm. to condemn land in a city that was not their own, so they lost. Wow. Um, and we ended up going through some negotiations with them too. Um, and so uh, anyway, that took about three years. Wow. So once we came out of that, then we moved right into development. Um, but I'll interrupt myself. The land that we have right on LBJ is actually in Irving. And 7-Eleven hmm. was a tenant here at One Arts Plaza. And um, we're also in this building. And so we could see that they're getting more and more and more people and more and more and more crowded. And so we came to them and asked, would they be interested in moving to the Cypress Waters location um, in the, on the Irving area, which they did. And um, so we were able to kick Cypress Waters off with 7-Eleven in yeah. Irving and then Nation Star, which is now Mr. Cooper, took the first uh, office uh, building for their headquarters, and we built a spec office building next to them. So we kicked off with three or four properties, which was, you know, a Incredible. gift. Yeah. A really lucky gift. And we were no place there. You know, the uh, the developments around us are industrial and some office, but it's yeah, not Las a campus. Yeah. yeah. Las Colinas a little bit further mm -hmm. away. So we just said, we've got to respect the price point that's in this region, but create a place that's going to become something. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing we did was pull all the buildings up to parks. So the offices were more urban, mm -hmm. not with a bunch of parking in front and the office in back. The offices were on the street with the parks, and you started to have a place. And then it went on and grew from there. Yeah, and what probably a lot of people don't know is North Lake. I just know this by growing yeah. up. I mean, North Lake, there was a little power plant on there forever, and it yeah. was unusable. It's not like there were boats on there or anything. And so how did you all help to maybe clean that up, or were you integral in, into that process at all? Well, let me say, before you were, grew up, there were boats on there. Oh, yeah. And there's a lot of water skiing, and I'll meet people there and tell me they used That's to water cool. ski there. Um, no, the power plant in made had made their own decision before they sold all the land to us that they were going to shut down that plant, hmm. and um, so they did that and you know uh, broke it down and, and left the property, and then when we bought the land, there was the lake was like a 700 acre lake. This was a man made lake by the power plant, mm -hmm. and we reduced it to about a 300 acre lake, and so now we have. Um, you know, we're creating a six-mile trail system around the lake and have planted, you know, thousands of trees and um, then the multifamily and retail and office. Yeah. And, and, and speaking on that, I think, um, you know, one of your daughters, I think Lucy, is, has been heavily involved in the office development, right? And so I think you've got three kids that are involved in the business. I do. And so talk to me a little bit about, um, I think each one of them have a, a uniquely different role within the company, yeah. right? Have you have you done that by design to sort of make sure there's no crossover or, um, you know, walk through that a little bit? Well, first off, as ever, we, whenever we've developed things, the kids have been part owners in it. So, you know, they were yeah. always a part of this. Um, the uh, nature of each of our children, of course, are very different. And you know, we're in the businesses of office, industrial, multifamily, and a little bit of retail. 
And um, we are unbelievably fortunate that our oldest daughter, Lucy, has a very transactional personality. She's very financially driven and um, is you know, great at leading the office portfolio and uh, finance uh, and operations and leasing and obviously design and development. Mm. So, um, and uh, I'm, I'm the one that usually pushes to start a couple more buildings a little bit faster than she's ready to. Uh, as I've said before. Our son George is industrial. He really doesn't want to manage a bunch of people. Mm -hmm. He loves the simplicity of the product. He loves the safety of the business. Yeah. And, uh, and this is a time when it's just a perfect business You're anyway. So all we ever can try to do is find more industrial land for George because he'll build right into it. Um, our daughter Sumner is the creative grew in the family um, in design and, and interiors and exteriors and the buildings and development. Um, so she has been very, very active in s setting the style and the quality of the apartments that we've been building and um, now has jumped into operations and is doing, you know, a deep dive into the misery of budgets and, and, and and the fun of, Underwriting of, of running that business, it. yeah. So uh, really three very different personalities and skill mm -hmm. sets. And we believe, to your point, it's very important for each child to be able to run their own business. Yeah. And I don't want my siblings' opinions, and neither do they. And Lucy may own some multifamily, or George might, and et cetera. Um, but Sumner makes all the operational decisions, and if I own an asset, I can make my financial decision on financing or keep or sell. But on operations, um, the person who heads that portfolio runs it. Yeah, it's good. It's a real clear-cut boundary, right, yeah. within a family yeah. business. Yeah. I think that's important. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, let me see here. So I'm going to ask you about... Um, your dad and how he structured business and uh -huh. then have you have you taken anything from it what yeah yeah um so you know obviously your dad having trammel crow company um you know was was it's very widely known how it was structured with the partnership structure and how he incentivized a lot of people to, to <laughs> kind of go get them um you know what did you take from kind of that structure and and what have you taken if anything and applied you know here my husband, Henry, worked in the Trammell Crow Company for a while mm -hmm. and um, got to see the great many benefits of that structure and also the risks. And um, Henry's not the risk taker I am. <laughs> Same old theme. Um, so um, we really chose not to bring on in third parties and to make this be a business when there's a mistake made it's our mistake and if we um, want to jump out and make a new investment it's our money that's doing it or if we want to be cautious or if we don't want to sell we get to control all these decisions and so uh, in that way I agree with the conservative nature of our family so we haven't grown as big as others um, and um, that's not our aspiration. Our aspiration is to do the next step right. And if we can do a few more of them at a time and do it well, that's fun too. Well, and what's fun too about y'all's strategy is you're not looking to flip, right? I think yeah. 
I think your dad said the one who sells is wrong, and you've <laughs> taken that to heart, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. you'll build something, and it's yours forever. Yeah, and we have sold some things, but we do really agree with that uh, belief. Yeah. Um, I think if you have $100 or if you have a balance sheet with, you know, $900 of liabilities and $1,000 of assets, that's better than having the $100 cash. Yeah. You know, you, it's, you, your life is different as a result. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. So we're, we're in a place, obviously, where um, DFW has been one of the hottest markets, um, and really Texas overall has been incredible from a development perspective. But over the last couple of years, we've seen a lot of things change within the different sectors, right? Retail looks different. Industrial does. Office does. What do you think, um, you know, you you see kind of on the forefront of development? The gift of growth we have enables us to make rapid changes to the future. Right now, we're building what we're going to be living with for the next, next 50 or 60 years. Mm-hmm. So it's a huge responsibility to do this right. And I think that there are um, several values that are really infusing our thinking today. Obviously, there is the inside and the outside merger Mm -hmm. for office buildings, for residential, for all of us. How do we um, bring our offices out and how do we bring our nature in? How do we uh, look at the wellness of a building? Um, I don't need to talk as much about the green efficiencies and lead. I need Mm -hmm. to talk about how do I make this space healthy for people? How do I represent the values of preserving the earth? And what are we doing in construction and in operations and in our landscaping? How do we respect the earth? Um, So, and obviously the office buildings, we're doing them and have, thank heavens, been doing them for years with balconies and having them be open and engaged. We don't want to build a hard edifice that just looks at a park. We want to have a building that... um, is inspired by Singapore, where they've got trees mm-hmm. on the tops and openings and um, just these wonderful spaces throughout. So that, I feel like office in that way is um, changing. I think people are using their offices as a part of their brand and as part of their hiring, as part of the, who they are. It's not a commodity anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, multifamily, the technology in multifamily is changing so radically in wonderful ways. So the operations of that business is going to be very, very different as we move forward, and I think vastly better for our residents. Um, uh, For us in multifamily, we try to build to historic architectural styles with great bricks and historic materials. So we want to have huge integrity. But the first thing we do is plan the void. We plan the public arena and make it be good, and then we bring up these buildings that we hope have the right architectural style. So we want to build places where apartments get better with time, and and obviously due to the landscaping. Mm-hmm. Um, the retail uh, is maybe the areas where I think the biggest change is yet to come, and we want to be big thinkers on that. Um, I don't want to really ever have to go to a strip center again <laughs> but i will because they're so efficient and i respect and appreciate that so can you give me that efficiency and make it be great um and we've done it a, a two different things and again we're very small in retail but we've done at the sound 
at, at Cypress Waters, we've got old bricks and old architectures. What we tried to do there was go create um, an, um, a Texas that you wish you were from. And that's what we do in our office buildings, too. In office, we're really trying to bring and create a contemporary Texas architectural standard mm -hmm. where you can look at a building and know it's from here. And it's because it's got this rugged stone and great steel and glass and the metal elements. Um, same in the retail. Let this be a place that's fresh in tomorrow but harkens back to yesteryear. Um, Anyway, we've done other ideas in retail that are engaging the dog parks and, and immersing ourselves into fun while we're there. Um, industrial is just impacted by the, the expansion of construction capacity, obviously technology and logistics. Mm -hmm. So a lot of a changes lot. are coming. Yeah. And you're not kidding. Well, it's going to be fascinating to watch you all and, and kind of see what happens over the next 10 years. So. I appreciate the time today. It's yep. wonderful to talk with you and uh, look forward to seeing some of y'all's developments come online. Yeah, well, thank you so much. Here we come. <laughs> the best deal ever is the next one. I love it. <laughs> Thanks, Lucy. Thank you.